Hey there, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for listening in. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the pastor here at Williamsburg Baptist Church. And this sermon is from the first Sunday in Advent, November 27th, 2022. And we're so glad you're listening in, whether it's still Advent 2022 or you're stumbling upon this sermon a year from now or five years from now. This sermon is on the strange little book of Habakkuk, right uh, towards the end of the Hebrew scriptures, at least in our um, Christian English Bibles. But um, uh, the text was Habakkuk 1, 1 to 7, 2, 1 to 4, and chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Short little book, strange. I'll unpack it a little bit in this sermon. Um, but the sermon is called Fingers Crossed, as we think about hope and what it means to be people of hope on this first Sunday in Advent. I wonder if I can offer you a blessing from Jan Richardson that we read as our call to worship um, on Sunday morning. Uh, I will tell you first that if you'd like to find out more about us, you can head over to williamsburgbaptist.com, or you can also email me at pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com if you want to connect, share prayer concerns, um, carve out time to get coffee or, or whatever. But I really do hope that as we move into this season of Advent together, you will find ways to slow down and be intentional in preparing for the coming of the Christ child. This, ironically, is one of the busiest seasons in many of our lives uh, in, in the calendar year. <clears throat> and so it's so often not the rest of the world calling us to slow down and be intentional and pay attention to God's presence uh, as much as it is us, the church. And so I hope that you'll hear me saying consistently throughout the next 28 days of Advent, slow down and take a deep breath. Try to pay attention to God's presence in your life and lives of those around you. Think intentionally about what it means to prepare and to open your heart for the coming of the Christ child in this world. Now, if you will, hear this blessing, a blessing for traveling in the dark by Jan Richardson before we move into the sermon. Go slow if you can. Slower, more slowly still. Friendly dark or fearsome, this is no place to break your neck by rushing or running by crashing into what you cannot see. Then again, it is true. Different darks have different tasks. And if you have arrived here unawares, if you have come in peril or in pain, this might be no place you should dawdle. You do not know what these shadows ask of you, what they might hold that means you good or ill. It is not for me to reckon whether you should linger or you should leave. But this is what I can ask for you, that in the darkness there will be a blessing, that in the shadows there be a welcome, and that in the night you be encompassed by the love that knows your name. We really are glad you're listening. Hope that this sermon is meaningful to you in your spiritual journey. Don't hesitate to reach out for any reason during this season. God bless. Thanks, Beth. We were driving back from our Thanksgiving trip last night, and Beth was asleep in the 
chair, the passenger seat next to me, and my kids were in the back seat enjoying their happy meals. And I was sitting there driving saying, Habakkuk, 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 Habakkuk. And Beth wakes up and says, are you speaking in tongues? <laughs> I think I got it, Habakkuk. Will you pray with me? God, you are the source of all light. As we move through the season of Advent together, we ask that you would open our hearts to understand these ancient and sacred words so that we might see not only your light, but also your hope and joy and peace and love as well. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I was and am so grateful for the chance to get away last week and to attend my annual Bible Scholar Conference out in Denver. Some of you know that I attended First Baptist Denver last Sunday morning for a faith formation class and worship. While I was there, I found myself introducing myself by saying, hi, I'm Art. I'm in town for a nerdy Bible conference. Brian Henderson, the pastor there, interrupted and said, what Art is not telling you is that this is the preeminent academic conference for the study of the Bible and religion all, in all of the entire world is attended by something like 10,000 scholars from all over the world. It is an amazing conference. It's huge and exciting and, <laughs> and terribly nerdy all at the same time. I did have a wonderful time connecting with friends and colleagues and reconnecting, listening to presentations by others and presenting my own research. There were two main themes that surfaced in my conversations throughout the weekend though, and the first was the best, Simply put, there was a pervasive sense of gratitude, gratitude and joy in reconnecting. This was the first time in three years that most of us had been able to attend this conference, thanks to COVID, and it just felt good to be back together. We laughed and fist-bumped and hugged. We presented our research. We ate dinner together and shared updates on what in the world we were up to nowadays since so much life has happened in the last three years. I want you all to know that I bragged an awful lot about you to everyone I met. After three years of disconnection, reconnection felt so good. But the second theme was much heavier, anxiety and fear. With a few rare exceptions, the folks I talked to who were at churches, colleges, and seminaries we're anxious about student enrollment numbers, worship attendance, giving, and finances. I was surprised at first when these conversations kept coming up, but the more and more folks I talked to, the more this became a common refrain. Seminaries are trying to adapt and reconfigure to attract more students at a time when less people are going into ministry. Colleges who enjoyed a decade or more of boom years are all of a sudden feeling the pinch. Friends of mine who work at colleges aren't getting cost of living increases this year. Retiring faculty are not being replaced with new hires. And churches are trying to figure out how to cover budget gaps and deficits. Even churches with an abundance of endowment support are struggling to find out how to move beyond 20 or 30 people in attendance on Sunday mornings. These were sobering conversations to have with friends and colleagues. Most of you know that I'm an optimist. In fact, I thought you'd enjoy this, hearing this. One of my friends at the conference referred to me more than once as aggressively optimistic, which I like. 
but still the conversations were tough to hear. I know it's hard to believe, but even I struggle with doubt and anxiety and pessimism about the future sometimes. One of the things that a friend shared with me while I was out in Denver was that the average person who participates in church life now attends church worship about 1.9 Sundays per month. Let that sink in for a second. If you attend church two Sundays a month, you are above average. Go ahead, go ahead pat yourselves on the back. The landscape of what it means to be church has changed. It's a strange and hard time to be a community of faith. We're in a brave new world, and it's understandably anxious at times. These aren't the only reasons to be discouraged or feel hopeless in our current context, though. I mean, it gets pitch black outside at 5 p.m. every day now. And some of us struggle with seasonal depression or regular depression. And people keep shooting guns and hurting people. And the economy feels like it's on a roller coaster these days. My hunch is that you can think of something in your own life that threatens to drag you down into a feeling of helplessness or hopelessness from time to time. We are heading into the holiday season after all. Usually most all of us can find at least one thing to be anxious about. And so here we are on the first Sunday of Advent, the day in which we celebrate hope of all things, that we find ourselves in no one's favorite prophetic book, Habakkuk. And in my 41 years of life, I have to be honest and say I've only heard one other person ever preach a sermon on Habakkuk. It is a short, little, obscure, hard-to-pronounce book tucked into the middle of the Minor Prophets, 8 out of 12. We know almost nothing about the prophet himself, and this book is among the shortest ones in the Hebrew Bible. And yet it strikes me as profoundly relevant today. Here's why. Habakkuk is writing to a group of people who are anxious about the future and struggling to hold on to hope in the present. You may remember from past sermons that in the late 7th and early 6th centuries BCE, the Babylonian Empire, whom Habakkuk calls the Chaldeans, emerged as a major force on the international stage and began conquering large swaths of land around the Fertile Crescent. And the Jewish people can read the writing on the wall. The small strip of territory that they occupy is along the Mediterranean and is effectively a path that would lead Babylon to the wealthy nation of Egypt beyond. And so the Jewish people can't help but think it's only a matter of time before the Babylonians come for us. Habakkuk knows this and sees the injustice and violence per perpetuated by, by and among his own people at the same time. And so he laments to God, how long, O God, will I cry, call for help and you not listen? I cry out to you violence, but you don't deliver us. Why do you show me injustice and look at anguish so that devastation and violence are before me? If you are God and we are your people, why don't you save us? Save us from ourselves. Save us from this awful thing coming our way. How long must we wait? Why are you allowing this to happen to us? And why don't you answer? 
Fast forward to the very end of this short book, the very last thing that Beth read. This is where Habakkuk ends. Chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree doesn't bloom, and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, Though the sheep are cut off from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, though everything that could be wrong seems to be going wrong, even in spite of all that, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. If I'm reading Habakkuk correctly, it seems to me that Habakkuk is also aggressively optimistic. The prophet still believes that God is going to be faithful. He thinks that there will be a way forward for the people. And so the message that Habakkuk offers us today is a message of patience. Wait and keep watching. God is at work among us. God will save us. Babylon may come. Things may get worse before they get better, but be patient. Be resilient in the face of what seems like tragedy in every way. Remember that God has saved us before. Remember there is reason to have hope for the future. But just as importantly, I think, it's important to say that the hope that Habakkuk champions is far from a passive hope. Habakkuk is not asking the Jewish people to just sit on their thumbs and wait for whatever happens until God shows up. Habakkuk is not inviting people to be resigned to come what may. The righteous live by their faith, he says, and the faith that Habakkuk has in mind is active and dynamic. Habakkuk envisions believers who live out their lives compelled and even propelled by their radical belief that God will create a pathway where there seems to be no way forward. Hope is an active force in their lives, and hope is persistent as much as it is patient. Hope is persistent in advocating and fighting for a new vision of the world that reflects God's love and joy and peace. It compels us to love fiercely and even recklessly. It begs us to labor for a world where our kids are safe from gun violence and to undo systemic homophobia and transphobia so that our LGBTQ siblings don't have to fear for their lives. It urges us to be relentless and loving across the barriers that divide us from one another, across racial, political, ethnic, and theological lines, because God has a dream for what the world should be, and God invites us to help build it. Habakkuk's message is a word of hope today. Be patient, yes, but also be persistent in living out your faith in the world because the world we live in is in desperate need of people who will live out their faith in the world. Some of you may remember when I started here at Williamsburg Baptist Church right before Advent of 2020, we were still in the throes of the pandemic, and there was not a lot to be hopeful about. Do you remember? Some of you do. In one of my earliest sermons, I stood here and said this. 
I said, folks, look around this room. We are the church. God is calling us to be the church, even if no one new walks through these doors. Our ability to be the church is not dependent on how many people are in this room. We're the church, and God is still calling us to show up in the world. It wasn't many of us in the room in those early pandemic days. Lo and behold, people do keep coming through the door, and we're still trying to figure out what it looks like for all of us to be church together, especially when we don't know each other very well. But we're working on it, and we keep connecting and getting to know one another so that we can support and encourage and walk alongside each other as the body of Christ. And the truth is that I find myself more hopeful than ever these days. The second reason for my hope is this. It's an awareness that from the very beginning, the church was not designed to be an institution. It was designed to be a movement. Williamsburg Baptist Church is not a building or an institution. It's a movement. Christ's church is not a building or an institution. It's a movement. We, each of us in this room and watching on live stream and listening to the podcast, and each of us who are taking our 2.1 Sundays at home this morning to sleep in and get much needed rest, we make up the body of Christ in this place. We are the church, however often we attend. And look at this. Do you know what when we, when we leave this place, we go out into to our communities to be the presence of Christ in Williamsburg and beyond? Do you know that we at Williamsburg Baptist Church represent the presence of Christ five days a week at the Williamsburg Contemporary Art Center and at Magruder Elementary School and in therapy sessions offered through Peninsula Pastoral Counseling Center and at Fish providing support for people who desperately need food and basic staples and hope and at Brookdale and Mary Immaculate Hospital, and serving children and youth and college students through Camp Alculana, and offering the best hospitality in town at the Fife and Drum Inn, and working at NASA, and living in our homes and in our families, and showing the way to peace and unity through drumming circles on second Sundays. We leave this place each and every Sunday, and we go out as the presence of Christ into every nook and cranny of this community. Folks, we aren't just the church in here. We are also the church out there. And you all shine the light of Christ in our community day in and day out. And the light of Christ is changing the world through you. It's normal to feel anxious about our lives, what our lives and our church will look like a month from now or a year from now or five years from now. It's normal to feel hopeless at times. Will we have enough money? Will there be enough people? Will the people who show up be people who look like us and believe like us and vote like us? What will the median age of our congregation be? Will there be any more kids? 
But all we can do, church, is be faithful to the present moment, no matter what our context. How is God calling me to show up today, right now, with this breath in my lungs? How is God calling you to show up these days in your own life, in the life of this community of faith? The truth is that all you can ever do is try to be faithful in the here and the now. And beyond that, trust God. Trust that God is still at work among us and through us. And I don't know about you, but I see signs of that on a weekly basis in the life of this community. Williamsburg Baptist Church, I want you to know that your reputation precedes you. And you should know that we have friends all across this country praying for us as we strive to be faithful to who God is calling us to be at this present moment in the year 2022. And I, for one, am more convinced than ever that God's Spirit is guiding us into the good and holy and sacred work of building God's kingdom right here in Williamsburg, Virginia, and beyond. This season of Advent, we remember and celebrate the birth of Christ in the world. But we also celebrate the birth of Christ in our lives, knowing that if hope and joy and faith and love are going to be embodied in this world, they will be embodied in us. And folks, I look around this room, and I see you embodying hope in this world and in your families and schools and communities. And you all give me so much hope. And for that, I am thankful. Amen? Amen.